Well, Cal, here we are, um, joining us on Hollywood and Burn. Um, how's lockdown been, mate? What's been going on? Thanks for asking. Lockdown was all right. I, I, uh, I was lucky. Honestly, I was very, very lucky to, to, to an extent that um, at the start of last year, we went testing in, in, in Malaysia, um, then came back from there and we thought we, we went to Qatar, sorry. Then we thought we were going to race in Qatar, which didn't happen. So the next race was America um, and we had the house in California. So I went to California. Then every race after that got canceled. So I sort of got locked down in California, which was not locked down like Europe. You know, everything wasn't wasn't closed and you weren't not allowed out your house, these sort of things. And then by the time that I came back to Europe, when the season started uh, in, in 2020, we were um, more open here as well. So... I never really had a massive sort of lockdown like, like everybody else um, back back in Europe. But then I went um, I went back to the Isle of Man at the end of the year and had to do my uh, 14 days in in, in the quarantine there. Um, but other than that, I got very very lucky um, in a year that was was difficult for everybody. Um, you know, I think we all, as you know. Uh, shaky we, we race motorcycles for a living and we we had the best job in the world um very fortunate to be able to do it but even last even last year when we were racing um it was you know it was a privilege to be able to do it when there was so much uh, other stuff going on in the world that was uh, you know um much more important to an extent so um you know i always i always had that thought in my mind that we were still able to do something that that we loved, but, um, you know, a lot of other people working very, very hard for all of us around the world to, to try and make things better. I think ultimately as well, you're other, because of what you do, um, there was an entertainment value as well, because obviously people were locked in at home, missing the MotoGP and Formula One and everything else. And obviously when you guys started racing, it gave something for people to watch because they were looking forward to the racing. And obviously, you guys being laid up, you couldn't do anything. And then finally, MotoGP opened up, and then finally, we could actually watch some very like proper racing. Normal, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, I think it brought. I mean, I I miss going out on the bike. I use my motorbike to go out as a sort of form of exercise. So the weather was all right on lockdown initially in the UK last year. So you know, every day I go out and do a loop, and then come back again, and just feel like I've I've been out, you know. And I think everyone was dying to see MotoGP fire up again, you know, and it was, and thank God it did. Yeah, we we were lucky. Honestly, we were lucky with, with how well uh, Dorna, the FIM and Urta had done things, you know, uh, of how they managed to get the championships back up and running. Um, obviously, we know the other championships uh, with, with World Superbike and BSB, they started to get running as well. But I mean... Um, with MotoGP, with how many people travel, they managed to get it down to maybe a quarter of the size of what they normally did. And the protocols were were, were all in place. Yes, there was a few positive tests as such, but the way they did it, it was superb to be able to get it um, back running again, back on TV, like the way that they did. And the viewing figures obviously massive with regards to people not being able to attend the event, um, not seeing sport, particularly in six months or so, it was great for uh, for the championship to be able to get back running and uh, and get back into the entertainment business because that's what it is um, at the end of the day is 
is an entertainment business that we're all lucky to do because we love it. Um, and people get to, uh, you know, to, to enjoy that entertainment from, from watching our sport. How do you feel now, Cal, sat there on your sofa, having watched a MotoGP race happen yesterday for the first time in, in God knows how many years? You're, you're not competing. How's the whole test rider thing working for you? I feel great. Yeah. Honestly, I had, <clears throat> I had loads of people messaging me, um, friends, you know, like close friends saying, you okay, mate? Uh, how do you feel? You know, because it's just been, as as you all know, Shaggy, it's been your life for so many years. And that's not why you get up in the morning. Of course, you get up in the morning. Um, but, I mean, it's what you, you do every day. Your whole life revolves around that. And it's a strange feeling when you decide to stop. And it's a strange feeling not really having a goal, you know, or something to, to aim towards. Normally, as soon as the last season's finished, you're thinking about having a little bit of time off, but then preparing for the next year um, where I didn't have to do that. It was, it was it, in a sense, as I said, strange not having that, but it was to me a lot better. You know, I think that I made the right choice at the right time um, and an enjoyable um, period of my life is about to start that, you know, it doesn't include motorcycle racing, and having the stress of sitting on the grid every week and having to try and perform. Um, you know, it was, as I said, I had 10 great years in, in, um, in MotoGP and obviously, uh, racing with yourself in, in Superbike, in, in World Superbike and, and um, British Superbikes. I had great fun, but that chapter of racing and being competitive and turning myself inside out is, it's sort of done, you know. Um, and it was nice to watch last night. It was nice to sit there, sit back, watch, not really have a, an opinion because <laughs> I, I don't mean it bad, not that I didn't care. I wanted Jack to win mm. or I wanted the Yamahas to win, you know, um, but I didn't have to care about thinking <laughs> all those things about tyres, about not overheating the brakes, not sitting behind somebody, doing this in the race, trying to manage this. And, you know, it, uh, that, that sort of stress is gone. But now I can sit back as a fan of our sport and watch it, you know, and, and it's nice to have uh, to, to be able to do that. Um, and on the other hand, be able to still be involved because I am still involved. I'm still actively riding a motorcycle, doing the testing, something that I didn't enjoy particularly when, I was racing because I was doing it for Honda for a lot of, a lot of things, um, in the tests. I was always the guy that was testing a lot of the, a lot of the parts, um, evaluating them and then passing them to, to Mark or he'd use it in the morning. I'd use it in the afternoon and we'd evaluate, you know, so I've done a lot of that now. Now I'm trying to help people win instead of helping yourself win. Yeah. And it's quite nice. It's quite nice to, lose that sort of uh, selfishness that you have as a, as a motorcycle racer. Do you, do you class that as a little bit of a halfway house for you? Because, I mean, from Shaky's point of view, obviously we know um, how, at the moment, you've been laid up and lack of time on a bike was due to an accident. Um, you're almost in that halfway house, which is the best of both worlds, where you're still dabbling, you're still riding the MotoGP bikes, you're still pushing it to see what they'll do, obviously not in race conditions. 
Do you feel like it's a halfway house and you're ready for that? Yeah, I think you have to change your mindset though. Mm. And I had changed my mindset at the end of last year when I stopped. And um, yeah, it's like I get the best of both worlds now. Mm. I get to enjoy other things. I get to, um, you know, do other stuff with my life that doesn't revolve around a schedule of getting on a plane. When can I do this? I need to go here. I need to do that. You know, where now it's, it's a little bit more relaxed as such, but I still have something to do. So I've been very fortunate to be able to, to still have something to do within motorcycle racing. Um, uh, test riding for Yamaha is, is fun. It gives me, uh, it gives me a lot of pleasure to be able to to see what happened last night, uh, and it's funny. It's a stra- it, it, again, it's a strange feeling sitting back thinking, um, you know, you're working towards somebody else winning. Mm. Um, one of your manufacturer, you know, one of your guys running for your manufacturer, you're working towards them winning. But um, yeah, it just at the moment it's the perfect balance. And of course, I'm not going to test ride till I'm sixty, but you know, it's uh, at the moment. The twenty-something days a year that I'll be on the bike is, uh, you know, it's nice. It's just the right amount. Um, I get enough time off to do what I need to do, or, or you know, what I want to do. Of course, I have to, they have to book the tracks and stuff like that. But even that's quite flexible when you when you want it to be. Um, so yeah, the only real time that I will ride with the with the other MotoGP riders was that first test in Qatar. It would have been Malaysia uh, and then Qatar, but obviously we just had Qatar this year. And then I'll ride with them at the end of the year in uh, in either Valencia or, or Jerez. So what happens, Cal, if, um, let's just say, for instance, Fabio or uh, or Maverick get hurt or something? Are you are you automatically the re- the reserve rider, being the being the test rider as it stands now, or you know, will will we see Cal compete in any sort of wildcard GPs this season, or is that not something you're interested in? <laughs> When I did, when I uh, signed the agreement, I was not actively interested in the wildcards. Same as what Pedroza isn't. You know, I think it's very difficult to step away from a career and then say, okay, I'm going to come back for a weekend when these guys are up to speed every week. Now, yes, we've seen great guys do wildcards in the past and do a, a very, very good job, but I didn't want to do it to do wildcards. If I wanted to race... I would have gone and signed the deal that was sat there on the table to race, you know? So, um, I took it to, to do a test riding role. If they asked me to wildcard, then it was something we'll discuss as and when. Um, but yes, the most likelihood of me riding is if I have to replace one of the riders. Um, now, you know, it's their request, but it is part of the contract as such, of course. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a strange situation when you sat there thinking every week, you're thinking, oh, it's uh, Thursday now. What happens if one of them have a positive test? Or <laughs> what happens if uh, one of them, you know, is not feeling well on the Friday and can't race at the weekend? It means that I've got to go and qualify on Saturday afternoon, which is never easy. <laughs> um, not necessarily like that, but I mean, as in, you know, I think they're allowed a couple of weeks off. Uh, where they don't have to put anybody on the grid. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. You know, um, as I said, I didn't do it to be able to to race again, but maybe I maybe I'll have to at, at some point this year. 
So MotoGP wise, then you've gone full circle. You started at Yamaha, obviously, um, went to Ducati for a year, and then jumped on the Honda and spent a bit of time on the Honda, and now back to Yamaha as a test rider. What um, what's impressed you, or or kind of not impressed you with the <laughs> with the Yamaha, having spent so much time on other bikes? You know, what what do you what have you seen since you last rode one, or how does it feel? It's funny because obviously all I remember is riding the Yamaha. And I knew what it felt felt like. I knew it was at that time the easiest bike on the grid to ride, as you can see from the TV. You know, it's not it's not um, it's not difficult for for another motorcycle racer or even fans to see how how smooth that bike was to ride. Um, so that was 2013. Obviously, they continued to be able to ride the bike in a very very smooth way, and you could see it. But over the last couple of years you could see the bike becoming a little bit more aggressive, but the riders were obviously, uh, you know, saying their thoughts on it. The bikes have not got, not got any grip and this, that, the other. And all the other riders that ride against Yamaha think, oh, please, you know, you want to try riding our bikes? And maybe they're just complaining. But the reality is, is that when I jump back on the Yamaha uh, this year, it, it is more difficult to ride than what it used to be. Um, because, you know, everyone's trying to evolve their package to be competitive with each other. And now we know a lot of the bikes now are very, very fast. So the other bikes have to try and be fast as well. And the bike is not as calm as what it used to be. It's still got its fantastic strong points of being able to release the brake and, and roll through the corner very, very well. Um, and you know, it, it's, it, it gives me something to work on because I think that there's, there's quite a lot um of experience that i can bring from riding the other manufacturers the honda in the end was quite not an easy bike to ride but quite a smooth bike to ride um yes the bike wheeled a lot it shaked a lot but power delivery wise traction control wise mapping etc was was balanced very very well in the end um so you know trying to bring some experiences that i've had in different manufacturers to yamaha and also you know keep the positive points of the Yamaha and, uh, and continue to work. So um, I got to ride all three different bikes in, in the Qatar test, the 2019 bike, uh, 20 bike and 21 bike. So, you know, it's about putting a, com uh, uh, having a compromise, sorry, and putting bit, little bits of them bikes together if we can make it work like that, um, because they all have different strong points. Um, but building, uh, you know, a, a bike for this season is very difficult because they're not allowed to change the engine. And then it's okay saying, okay, well, you get to change the chassis, but your engine can't always fit in the chassis they've already prepared, you know? So every chassis they have to make, the engine still has to fit in it. So, and the bikes are based around the engine and chassis. So, you know, it's quite, it's not, it's not an easy thing to do um for the manufacturer but as i said all i've got to do is try and give my information it was nice to do that full circle and you know try and help also yes it's my job um but try and help repay what they gave me because they essentially taking me into motor gp gave me a 10-year career in motor gp that you know was uh, was enjoyable and had uh, had great times but what 
I mean, uh, do, you, do you ride on the road? Do you ever go out riding on the road for just a chill? Do you ever ride on a motorbike on the road? Paul, what what would your what would you like my answer to be? Yeah. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> All right, I'll say yes. I'll say yes, sir. Right. Uh, okay. No, I have a license. Um, you do have a license. I don't. I don't actively ride on the road, but right. I will tell you this: I probably will now. Right. You know, I didn't win a race. I had no. Uh, I had no time for motorcycles mm. outside of being on the track. I didn't. I don't. I have the strangest not philosophy. Just the way that I am, I don't know why. I don't like riding a motorcycle away from the racetrack mm. because there's two reasons. I'm not very good at it. <laughs> As in, I think that my talent is not uh, a very, very high level. I think my determination and sometimes stupidity is at a high level. But being, you know, if I, if I was at home and I ride a motocross bike or my trials bike, which I do enjoy to ride. I actually enjoy to ride my trials bike, but or go to like a mini bike track or supermoto. Mm. I'm no good at it. And it does not make me any faster whatsoever on a motorbike track, on a, on a MotoGP bike. So the only thing that happens is a crash and get injured. Yeah. And I do believe that people should train on motocross bikes and stuff like that because tennis players play tennis, footballers play football. It's just that I was no good at it. So I didn't bother doing it. And I, when I went to the racetrack, I had, it was like I'd ridden in the week and I was not excited, excited to race, you know, because I've been riding a motorcycle all week. Now, I don't know if that was an age thing because when I was younger, I would have enjoyed to ride a lot, lot more. Um, and now who I was racing against were essentially not kids, but a lot, lot younger. And they ride a lot, lot more. But it's what works for you. Now, on the road, I never not saw the point in me going on the road. You know, I just thought, I just want to go fast. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> you can't go and blast and do 200 mile an hour everywhere. You know, I was not, I'm not an adrenaline junkie, but when you ride a motorbike, I want to go fast. So I always thought there was, it was, not correct for me to go out on the road because I'd just be riding fast everywhere. Where now I actually feel um, that I could go out on the road and ironically, everybody thinks, oh, you're riding a MotoGP bike. What did you get from Yamaha? Did you get the, <laughs> did you get the R1M? I say, no, I've got a T-Max scooter. You know? and, and that's the reality. I, you know, I would enjoy to, to ride that a lot more than, than, sitting in the position that I've been in for the last 15 years of my life. Yeah. I mean, I did, I, I mean, Shaky and myself, we, we, we were doing a little bit of filming for a little clip. We did do a little ride down the road together, didn't we? And we had a, a couple of tasty bikes and I went down the road and to see, look in your wing mirror and, and see Shaky Byrne climbing up your jacksy with on this bike you're thinking oh, that's cool that's pretty cool we passed a couple of other bikers on the road i was thinking do you know who's just passed you on the road <laughs> again i th I think the problem there might be an element of when you're away from motor gp and you're away from riding a motorbike which is what it's all about being on two wheels enjoying it on a track i get that i've done the dabbling in racing cars for me being on the road is slightly different because there might be someone around the corner might be someone crossing the road might be a dog on the road you never know 
on a road road riding is different totally to to track i get that but there must be a year there may be a year and in your future where in a year or two you might say do you know what i really just fancy going out on a blast on a bike and turning up at a bike meet and you'd sit get taken off your helmet and go is that Carl crutchlow that's crazy <laughs> <laughs> no, no doubt because it, you know it, as i said from my life so many years i will enjoy to ride on on the road as such as in do something that i've not done go mm. go out to the hills go out on a on a um road trip road cruise trip. around the countryside yeah. you know yeah it's, it's true though isn't it you yeah. know as in spent my life going around in circles you know <laughs> trying to attack every corner i think it'd be nice to be able to um to ride at a lot more of a leisurely pace with some friends you know um but then i sit there and think if i saw someone on the road would i just think <laughs> i'm gonna have you he's having it yeah. <laughs> you, you, you don't know do you like, you'll be able to tell me more about that you know if, if you're riding on the road did you have a diavel Who's got a Diavel? I've had a I've had a couple of Diavels. PJ's yeah. got a Diavel actually. Paul's just felled it up from and bolted a load of carbon. Yeah, I put a load of carbon bits on it for him. Yeah. yeah. I think ultimately, I I think it'd be a case if, for instance, you were down at mine and you took out one of the toys that I've got. Shaky was on one, and we went out for a blitz, and we just went down for a coffee down at the local bike meet place. And I was coming into a corner, and he started to take me on the outside. I guarantee. That coming up to that corner, there'll be somebody else on on the outside trying to take that corner a little bit quicker than the other two. <laughs> it, it probably wouldn't be a good idea for me and Cal to go out together. To be fair, <laughs> not on the road. <laughs> Maybe we should just I, go. I, I, just do, go. I think that you just. I, I have visions of myself thinking, oh, "Okay, yeah, I'll go out ten miles, blah blah blah." Then on the eleventh mile, just let loose. You know, that's why I don't. I've never really thought, right, I'm going to go out on the road and ride. But also, being the racers that you are, uh, you know, um, if we're talking about me and Shaky or whoever it, may, whoever it may be, you're in control of you and the motorcycle, but you're not in control of everybody else on the road. And mm. that scares, not scares me, but, you know, um, and yes, we have good reactions. Yes, uh, you know, uh, we've been clusters being in, in in the best in the world in, in in what we do sort of thing as in the riders that have, have been there and done it but it doesn't mean that you you can help what is either on the road or what is in front of you or around you so, a pothole will still be uh, a pothole huh? <laughs> a pothole will still be a pothole you don't get too many well, of them on the track yeah <laughs> yeah i feel i've spent my life actually swerving potholes on my bicycle <laughs> yeah. you know honestly you'd sit there thinking just i'm swear i do 10 kilometers more riding for three hours than what i should do from swerving around and weaving so hey get um, this but, get this cal paul's just bought himself a push bike yeah he he's he's entered the world of, he's entered the you world know what, of you know i shake it trying to burn off them Tarts that's that. exactly right when you when you said before that you had the best job i would probably disagree to a point i think going in a tent and eating cakes and everything else and judging them and getting paid to do that is a is a pretty good job it's up there yeah, yeah it's, it's not bad at all i can tell you that i would say yeah i'd say that it could be my second job you know is in second job maybe we could incorporate i could do a test riding job yeah exactly and then and then I could do the... Um, you could go and do your test ride and then you can come and eat some Bakewell tarts because yeah. you would have burnt off that many calories, you'll be fine anyway. Yeah, exactly. 
Well, there you go. Yeah. The three well, of us can do that. Turn up fat, whichever one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll teach you how to bake, and then you two can teach me how to ride a bike properly. How many um, well, how many hours a week are you doing now, Cal? I know you used to be savage with the amount of cycling you were doing. Train, obviously, um, a lot of the time when you're in the Isle of Man with with Mark Cavendish, who um, who most of the people on here are going to know as one of the fastest sprinters in the world. I mean, how do you how do you stack up against somebody like Mark? Is is some is cycling something you could you could potentially turn your hand to competitively, or are you just happy cruising around and using it as a bit of training? Well, I never cruised around. That was my problem. Um, I just, yeah, but I, I would normally do if, if it was a race week or in between a race week, I would normally do around 20 hours. If I had a couple of weeks off, I'd normally do 25 hours in those weeks, as in 25 hours a week. Paul and so, just so you know, Paul and PJ are both shaking their heads just in utter, ridi- in utter ridiculous. disgust. Hang on, shaky. How many hours, how many hours a week are you doing on a bike? Not that many. How many hours are you doing a week? Oh, maybe nine or ten. Okay, know. so you're doing nine or ten. You're doing possibly twenty, maybe a little bit more. Are you quicker than Cal on a bicycle? No, we've cycled together before. Do you remember when we went out that time in Valencia? <laughs> it started off right. We're going to go for this little cycle. Was it World Superbike? It was well too far, wasn't it? And we went off out around the back. He's like, I've got this route. I've got this route. We'll go for a pedal. And we started off and it was all nice and flat. And we were both chatting. It was a really, really social ride. And then the, the, the ride started going up in the hills out the back of Valencia. And, and both of us got quieter and quieter and quieter, <laughs> didn't we? <laughs> and it turned into this like, just kind of like... Epic adventure. Epic, yeah. I was like, yeah, we got back to the track. I was absolutely wasted. And uh, yeah, it was good. It was, it was good fun. But no, he's, he's strong on a bicycle. Really? Really strong. That, oh, okay. okay. That, that's the problem. That it, it never turns out. You always say, oh, it's going to be an easy ride and this, that and the other. And you go out and it never does. And it turns into being lost, which I quite <laughs> like. Riding my bicycle, I quite like being lost because it doesn't matter. If, you know, as long as I'm not five hours away from home and I'm lost, then I don't care. um, But it's nice to explore. I think that because I've had so many years going at such speed, it's nice to be able to ride a bike. I know it's a bicycle, uh, you know, 35k an hour all the time. Do you go with me? You know, I think... 35k! PJ's, PJ's head just rolled K. off his shoulders now. It's gone from shaking wow. to actually falling off. <laughs> 30 then, whatever, whatever you want. But, um, you know, obviously living in the Isle of Man as well, it's it was great to be able to ride there. We uh, had a, a house in Florence um, or near Florence, then the house in California. So basically I could ride everywhere, which was great, you know, all, all different parts of the world. I used to, I still, even now in my testing crate, I always have my bike with me. So I'll always ride wherever I am in the world. And it's, I've done some great things, you know, when I've been away, whether it be, um, you know, me and Daco or, um, when, when I had, uh, Andy Roach, uh, with me who lives in the Isle of Man, uh, you know, we'd ride there. And then in the Italian races, we'll always ride, um, around um, where, where my house is. So I've always been interested in cycling. Um, could could I do it at a, a good level? Yes, probably. But the problem is I still have my job now. So as in, you have to train to race. You know, if you want to do it right, I, I don't see the point in doing it half-heartedly. So um, I think it would be difficult to switch now. I haven't done anywhere near as much this year as what I would like or what 
I used to do just simply because I have uh, a problem with my back, but we're not too sure what it is at the moment. But I'm still riding mm. a little bit here and there, you know. But I class that as not even riding, you know. Um, so what are you saying? I don't ride. Yeah. <laughs> huh? Are you chucking an insult out there saying I don't actually ride? <laughs> <laughs> my nine or ten hours are not sufficient. Yeah, well, I did twelve, and I would last week, and I'd say that isn't riding really. Yeah, well, so, you yeah, weren't riding yeah, fast yeah, enough, then were you? <laughs> <laughs> are you are you actually based now on the Isle of Man? Is that where you are now? Yeah. Okay. Uh, do yeah. You... So the um, um, obviously just just for for the traveling um, this year, we were in California um, last year, as I said, quite a lot. Then back to the Isle of Man over over winter and uh, one of the best places in, in the world to, to be able to be um, riding riding the bicycle and watching the TT. I was going to say I TT, love, yeah. I love watching the TT. You know, yeah. I think... Um, Are you near the circuit? What, what, what them guys do is special. You know, everybody always says to me, are you going to race a TT? And I say, it's not, not my expertise at all. I'm not... I love it. I absolutely love it. I will go out and watch it all day. I'll ride my bicycle around different parts of the circuit and and watch it. But what they do is incredible. Honestly, all of them from the front to the back, you know, to be able to, to be able to do what they do. I think that they're a special breed. Mm. Now, I, I mean that in, in a very, very positive way, because if you think about it, we race, I, you know, I race or when, when I raced, race for 45 minutes. Yes, we're completely on the edge of, of the limits, which I think they are as well. But they do six laps. Yeah. You know, it's, it's nearly, it's over an hour and a half in the saddle, surely. Mm. Um, if they're doing 17-minute laps, you know, six laps is a decent it's a decent chunk of time it is i mean i i i was lucky enough i did um i was i did a program on john surtees um and it was basically his his career from moving from motorbikes being a champion seven times champion till 59 and then jumping into ferrari formula one cars so i wanted to know how he did the tt because everyone's saying he shouldn't be able to do it you know and I met up with uh, John McGuinness in uh, the Isle of Man. We had a couple of bikes dropped to us. He was on a Honda, I think. I was on a Ducati. And we, we, they actually closed off part of the mountain section for us to go around. So I was following John. And it was going, it was, he was talking to me through the helmet and saying, go through the Owen slow, go through the Owen slow, don't back off, keep it. And I'm going, what? And the speeds he was attacking the island at was ridiculous. Thinking that, I, you know, I ride on a road. But to do what he was doing on a road, almost taking what you do on a track onto a road and watching the curbs and the potholes and the, and the lines of tarmac that he was watching, the speed that he went round there was staggering. I remember standing on the side of the road when he came past and I just went, what? He knows every, he's probably the only man in the world alive who knows that island more than anybody. He knows every inch of tarmac. When they re-tarmac, he'll say, oh, they just re-tarmac that bit. And he was giving me a commentary all the way around. Oh, stop off there and go and have a pint every now and again. Oh, there's Bob's house. And I'm going, what, you actually think this when you're going around the track, you know? it's yeah. it, it, that The mindset is different and it, it, his face changes on race day, you know? It's it, 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 different. It is brilliant. You know, I think John being as you said, the main one about to know the circuit and stuff like that. But as I said, from front to the back, 
you know, the guys that are happy, you know, happy to be there, enjoying what they're doing. Don't take this wrong way. No, they're not going to win the race, but they're excited and, and loving what they're loving, what they're doing. But even the way that they go around there, you're thinking this is, you know, it's incredible. It's incredible what they can do. Mm. Um, and another thing that people always say to me is what MotoGP should I go to? Is it's the most asked question that I've ever had in my career. What MotoGP should I go and watch? And I always give the same answer, you know, yes, Mugello, Mizano, Silverstone, if you know, if if you're British, um, Bruno's a great one to go to. But I always tell them, save your money and go to the TT once. <laughs> I'm you know, sure, I'm it's, sure it's, Carmelo will be all... well chuffed to it. You say that. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. It, it's, I'm sure they're running enough, mate. Don't worry about that. Uh, you know, but I mean, as in, it's a once in a lifetime thing that you have to see it once. I think that um, you know to to go there and just watch it. It's uh, it's something really really special to be able to do. Now I do remember this, John. He knows every part of the circuit, as we know. And he loves the trivia of somebody saying, where's that? <laughs> so I used to ride around the circuit and take pictures of the floor, like literally of the floor. Yeah. You know, a, a, a square piece of tarmac on the floor and send him it <laughs> and say, where's this? <laughs> just not be, not be happy because, um, you know, you're just taking a picture, picture of, of a piece of tarmac with a tiny pothole in it or something like that. <laughs> It was like that when, because you'd stop off somewhere and yeah, he's known in the UK, but in the Isle of Man, he's like a god. Because I remember going oh, into yeah. shops and there's yeah. pictures of him everywhere. And there's all these, and they're like, all right, how are you doing, Johnny? All right, are you racing this year? How are you going to get on, you know? And there's a huge amount of uh, love and admiration for him over on the Isle of Man. I didn't realize that till I actually went there and discovered all this. And the the amount of revelry, I mean, he loves it. He loves the island anyway. And I don't think he'll ever stop. I mean, Paul Beck has really has got her hands full. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he would just be right. He would just be riding around, wouldn't he? And then when he does stop, I think he'll be doing like tours. You know, like yeah. <laughs> you ever seen the, you ever seen the guy who goes around on the trike? They do these trike tours. Around the Isle of Man, I think that'll be John doing that. <laughs> Pillions. Pillion in uh, a yeah, million. Rem- you can hear it now. I remember this. I remember this. This was, <laughs> yeah, I was 17 seconds uh, behind this person. And this. He remembers everything. I know. But it's special. That's what I mean. I think they're really, really special with what they do. Talking of special, you come to motorbike racing with, with aspirations when you were younger of being a footballer. And I read that you never really got into into bikes until you was like 11 years old. But you had trials for Coventry City, didn't you, and Aston Villa as a, a sort of semi-pro or pro footballer. What what happened there? And what, what made the change? What, what made you want to be a motorbike racer? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I have absolutely no idea at all. Um, but yeah, I was, uh, I was playing at Coventry City for quite some of my youth. Then uh, I had the trials at Aston Villa and Liverpool, and then finally I ended up back at Coventry. Um, and I started the first time I raced a motorcycle was when I was 13. And I only started to ride the bike when I was 13, as in any geared motorbike. So, as you know, 
that's late now mm. compared to mm. the kids now they're racing at four years old so it was late but um i felt i was quite good at it you know i i didn't i i loved it that was the thing so i wanted to continue to do it because i loved it not because i thought i can make a career out of it i'm very good i was getting beat all the time but i you know i enjoyed it so much um but i was racing a motorcycle and playing football at the same time and it was a disaster because I was turning up to the football matches with a broken arm or wrist from racing and I was turning up to the racing with a dislocated knee from football and it was just the managers were going mad at the time um, so I had to make a choice of what I wanted to do and around 16 I didn't enjoy standing on a football pitch in the freezing cold anymore and I never got that buzz that I got from racing a motorbike you know I never got as excited as what I used to about football and that I was getting with with motorcycle racing so it, that's how it took over and uh, I decided to, to do that and I haven't kicked a football since basically. I mean I, I'm curious to know why I mean you, you've been at the top of your sport and been one of the most uh, sort of decorated riders we've had in Britain for many many years when I mean, you think of Sheen and then what you did in MotoGP as well. I mean, where are all the British riders in MotoGP? Why is it? You know, they come from Italy and Spain. Is it the weather? They're growing up. Is it, They're on bikes earlier. Why can't we nurture more of you and Shakes to go into MotoGP? Well, I think, I think it is a combination of things. And I think the talent we've got is good enough. It's just they either don't get the opportunity or they don't take the opportunity. That, you know, um, they either don't want to take a risk or they don't give get given that chance to be able to take the risk. I think what Stuart Higgs does in, in BSB, I think is a good championship. I think that it's a great breeding ground as such. Um, you look at how many uh, motorcycle races at the top of our sport have came from BSB. It's a lot, you know, Um then we have the the World Superbike Championship, which uh, Brits always dominate, to, you know, uh, over the years. So, MotoGP-wise, it's difficult, and I think that the level of MotoGP is just higher than anything else, and it's as simple as that. Now, that doesn't mean that nobody else from other championships wouldn't be competitive in MotoGP, but they they. They're in MotoGP because it's the top level. It's the pinnacle of motorcycle racing. And their level week in, week out is incredible. Now, as we're talking about the Spanish, Italian, stuff like that, I, I do think it's a combination. I think that they get backed more mm. as a country in whole with motorcycle racing. Um, the, the funds that are put in from sponsors, teams, managers, etc. It's like a it's like a bit of a vicious circle because the Spanish, um, the Spanish riders and teams are old. Uh, the Spanish riders that ride for Spanish teams, etc., are, are riding for old Spanish racers. So they're they're in that mix. Do, do, do you get what I mean? You yeah, know. Yeah. I mean, you could equate it to Formula One when you look at some of the British teams, like you know the Red Bulls, yes. uh, yeah, the McLarens, yeah. where we have British British ride British drivers as well. And yeah. there's a lot of British British drivers in the yeah. F1. 
I think when you look at the teams in in MotoGP, there's not many there's British teams that there isn't any. So most of them are all based outside of UK. But when you you talk about BSB and obviously you got PBM, you got Birdie and and the teams with BSB, and then you got the World Superbike. I mean, for instance, Jonathan Ray. Do you think Jonathan Ray could jump from World Superbike where he is now into a MotoGP bike? Would he get nurtured? Would he get the support that he needed? Would he get the ride? Would he get the bike? I don't think now. Um, you know, at this at this point of his career, but he would have some years ago, sure. Mm. And could he have done well in MotoGP? Yeah, sure. Um, but as I said, it's about getting the opportunity to do that and also taking the opportunity. Mm. Um, so I think that we have enough talent. I think where talent-wise against Italian, Spanish, and some of the riders, I think we struggle in the conditions. I think that they're brought up on them uh, hot, slippy tracks where we're brought up in, yes, cold, freezing cold weather. But if you look at all the races, the Brits do well in the rain and in the freezing cold. And yeah. yes, we can do well in in um, in the hot tracks as well sometimes, but not as consistent as those guys that have just been brought up on, you know, in a different way you know it's not um it's not against our system the thing is is we have no system as such they have systems permanently and i think that we have to give dorna and uh the british talent cup a a lot of credit because they're trying to get that um crop the next breed uh, of, of riders to be able to to go there um and do that job now i think that we have great riders now but they're not going to be there forever that's sure um and if you look in moto gp now the the ones that are really really fast yes some are mid-20s but a lot of them are 20 21 you know coming coming up so have a lot of the brits already missed the boat Mm. um that you know, that, that want to go in. If you look at, say... Scott Redding, for instance. I mean, you look at Scott. Scott was there and then dropped down to BSB, jumped from BSB back to World Superbike, whether he'll get back into MotoGP at any point. You know, I mean, he's a decent rider. He's a big lad. He's a great rider. Um, you know, I think that he wasn't on the best machinery in uh, in MotoGP. I think that um, when he was at the Pramac team, it was probably his best sort of time. Obviously, mm-hmm. he went to Aprilia and... Uh, that was uh, we know about that shaky don't we a, a joke for all of them you know <laughs> i think that anybody that went there at, at the time so um you know we have the talent it's about getting the opportunity and or, or taking it it could it's, be the it's fact as simple as that i think it could be the fact that it's not really a national sport in this country i mean you go to spain yeah. and italy they're almost pray, they're like gods over there you know the marquezes and everybody else but i mean you were you in, are in over both, here in both ball in, in in spain and italy mm. you know I, I, i've lived it i've lived that and and shaky has uh, you know a, a different era and different time in, in MotoGP. You have no idea about the papers, the you know how much of their life it takes up. You mm. know, as as a nation, as you know, as the two nations, it's like you know, it's like going down to the shop and getting bread. Oh, the MotoGP's on, you know, and in the UK, 
it's it's not not like that at all. Mm. Absolutely, you know, football's on. Which yes, Spain likes football as well. But I, I think that a lot of the time, the audience uh, figures watching MotoGP is probably the highest watched sport. Yeah. Um, so so of course yeah. they're going to put more money in. The 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 feeder to MotoGP is going to be a lot better. The teams are going to be better. You know, and, and that's just the reality. But hopefully, you know, with with the way that Dorna's helping with the way that things are going for, for the Brits, hopefully we'll get some in there soon, very, very soon. Mm. Cal, you mentioned earlier um, about timing and stuff. Um, one person who's got to be really, really happy that you're going to be spending a bit more time at home now is Willow. Um, she must be she must be ready to start school now, isn't she? Yeah, yeah, she's four, she's four and a half. She's nearly five. Mm. In in the middle of the year, she'll be five. And uh, yeah, I, it was just the right time. Mm. You know, it was just the right time to stop and stop traveling. You know, uh, I don't mean this in a rude sense. It might be easier to do something like BSB. You know, mm. you're at home or, or you're in one place. Yeah, traveling two hundred and fifty odd days a year. It was, you know, it was just not cutting it for me. I wanted to, you know, I wanted to be with the girls at home. Um, I was lucky. I, I think that I made the decision at the right time, but based a lot on what happened last year, that I was away for three weeks at a time, coming home, I was injured. Um, then, you know, spending the week at the hospital or something like that, then going away for another three weeks. I didn't get to see them as much as what I wanted to. Mm. But then again, I was really privileged that I had from January to June with them. Mm. Do you get what I mean? You know, but I was just not into the long periods of time away. I was always the guy that turned up the latest to a race meeting and left the earliest. You know, mm. that doesn't mean I didn't do my job because I did do my job. Just um, meant you had a faster just, private jet than all the others. Huh? <laughs> just meant you had a faster private jet than all the others. Well, I just paid the extra for it to be running. By the time. <laughs> <I'm> like, <okay. laughs> no, but you know, I just wanted to, you know, I enjoyed that getting home and, and yes, going out on my bicycle in the morning, but spending the afternoon with, with the girls and doing what I wanted to do. Now that's, you know, I don't mean that's me being a rebel or doing what I wanted to do. Of course, I still do my job to a hundred percent. Um, but I think the reality came that I didn't want to be away from home as much in the mid part of that season last year when, you know, it was mental because we were doing three races at a time all the time. And I think that's a lot what I made the decision that I made. Um, but what absolutely clarified it is the day that I told Willow and, uh, and said to her, uh, daddy's not going to race next year. And she was starting to cry, you know, and she said, I'm not crying sad I've got happy tears mm. and I knew that I'd made the right decision you know mm. and it was nice it was nice to be able to to do that you can't as motorcycle races you think you're invincible you know mm. and it doesn't go on forever you know I think you have to um be realistic and think yes I had some great great years I enjoyed it um and I still enjoy to ride I still enjoy it been my life and it will continue to be in my life for, for a long, long time. But I've just taken a step back and it's nice to, to, to be with Willow and Luce and, you know, uh, have some more time doing what we want to do. And I also want to take Willow to school, 
you know, I, I don't want to <laughs> be... School runs. You have to do school runs. <laughs> yeah, I'll do the school runs. That's all right with me. But, I mean, you know, I don't want to miss things that I'll never get back, you know. I know that, you know, I know you can sit there and say it's your job. If you're, if you're racing, it's your job. And, you know, I don't want to miss things that, uh, that I'll never get back if I have the choice to, to do so or not, you know. So, Cal... I mean, obviously, you made the, the the decision to take a step back uh, from MotoGP. So, is Cal Crutchlow now? When you look back on your career, are you a contented man? Are you happy? Yeah, I'm happy. Yeah, because I know deep down in myself, I couldn't give any more. Mm. And I said when I retired, when I did an interview when I retired, that I did ex- ex- exceed my own expectations. That's 100% because I never thought that when I was in BSB, I would have a 10-year career in MotoGP. I thought I wanted to be the first to get there, as in the fastest to get there, which I did. Hmm. And I was lucky because I just bounced championships and I took the risk at the time to do it. And I was not the fastest guy, as Shaky will tell you, that's sure. Definitely not. but you know i just took the risk to go and i don't regret it at all i regretted it in my first year in MotoGP, as has been well documented that i could have easily just said fuck this i'm out you know mm. it was so hard mm. um but then you know i just came came good and it was more determination to be able to do it so Yes, I crashed 150 times or whatever, but I don't care. It made me the man that I was, and, you know, I missed some podium opportunities, but they're not going to change my life, you know. Mm. What changed my life is me going to MotoGP and having the career that I had that, yes, it was up and down, but at the end of the day, I I loved it, and I think that um, I did the best that I could have done, if not more. Yeah, Other absolutely. than testing, then, Cal. Last question from me: What what else does the future hold for Cal Crutchlow? What, what's the what's the plans going forward? Um, depends how my back is. If I can get my back uh, and and work out with the with the doctors and surgeons what the problem is with my back, then uh, you'll see me racing this year. But it won't be a motorbike. Um, so if I can get my back sorted and get fit enough I'll uh, the school run doesn't I'll count probably, as racing I'll probably do some cycling stuff <laughs> then um, I'll en- as I said I'll enjoy my time with, with Luce and Willow um, and you know I have some some other stuff that I'm, I'm interested in business wise and you know that I always have done on the side of, of racing um, and you know I, I was always a I was always the first guy that thought MotoGP is not real. It's not real life. It's like, it's a show, it's an entertainment. It's, as with anything, it's not, you're sort of living in a dream mm-hmm. to an extent. So I felt that I was always the guy that kept my feet grounded with regards to reality. Because as you know, Shaky, I could tell you some of the stories about some of the riders that they, they, they live in, in a different world. You know, it's like that. Um, it's like that they they don't they don't understand anything other than that world. But when it stops, it all comes crashing down. Mm. You know, because yes, you may have had a great career, you may have all the 
the money in the world. But the reality is that is not real life. It's a part of your life yeah. that um, I think that I did quite well because I had a good balance, you know. Um, and it's about also not changing who you were at the start to who you are at the finish, I think, you know. And I've seen that a lot in a, in, in a lot of riders, how, how they change with either fame or success but it stops one day, you mm. know, and, um, you know, I, I just wanted to be sort of true to my, to myself, to my friends, I have a close knit group of friends that, uh, I've always had that will tell me if I'm an idiot, you know, it's not <laughs> what, which was most, most days, but I mean, <laughs> um, you know, that will be fair and that I'd be fair to them. You know, mm. that if I was the other side of the world and needed them, they'd fly to me. If they were the other side of the world and needed me, I'd go to them, you know, and that's uh, that's the way it was. So, um, yeah, I've, uh, I'm going to take this year just, uh, you know, working out a little bit more in case you never know. I could be laying bricks with John McGuinness, as he always likes to say. So. <laughs> I don't think you're going to need to do that in, no, the, right. in, the, in, no, the, not, in the distance. No, I'm not going to, but if it takes my fancy, then at least I can do it. I think you've done an amazing job. Your career is out there. Uh, you're a hero to a lot of people. Um, I, and I wish you all the best, and I hope your your surgeon comes back with good news with your back as well and you get all that fixed. I really appreciate it. It's great to be on. It's good to talk to you both. The top of your leagues as well. Jakey being, uh, you know, probably the best superbike rider I've uh, I've witnessed in in many many years riding a bike, um, and you baking bake wild tarts. <laughs> I'll send you some, mate. Thanks, Cal. <laughs> Cheers, Cal. Thanks very much for coming Cheers. on. Thanks, guys. Take care. Take care, mate. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. I think he's a really nice guy, Cal. I, I've only met him. I met him a couple of times at when he was racing for Ducati when I was down with the team and I was fortunate enough to meet him and have a chat really down to earth and that really comes across I think is in the podcast as well yeah I mean this was um you know when I had this idea to 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 think about mentioning Cal and, and bringing him onto the show Cal and I were were really close like we, we've done a lot of racing together and you know he's um did you kick his ass shake I, I actually did um <laughs> <laughs> on, a, on a number of occasions yeah um however However, he he far surpassed um, anything that I achieved in in my career for sure because, you know, Cal's the first person since since Barry Sheen basically mm. to to win you know basically the the motorcycling equivalent of a Formula One GP yeah. and he didn't win just one he won three of them so, yeah. um you know he openly admits and and even back in the day you know he was never never the sort of standout talent if you like but the determination the work that the guy would put in was just was just off the scale he's know, a bit like, like a duck then on the top well, it looks quite calm but underneath the legs yeah are exactly his nickname in um in moto gp for a while was the honey badger and it was just because <laughs> of the because of his relentlessness you know he just yeah. he just never gave up but you know he mentioned um he mentioned in that interview when he first went to moto gp he did get a good opportunity it wasn't like um you know some people get the opportunity to go to moto gp but it's on a machinery that's that's never going to work right mm. and cal got to go there on the on the tech free yamaha and honestly he was like head in hands at times and and pretty much in tears because he just couldn't make the thing work he kept crashing and hurting himself and and whatever else and it was a really really tough period for him um one of the questions i was actually going to ask him was how he actually felt about his career i mean you asked the question and he said he's content mm. but 
I look at his, um, you know, I always think of Cow alongside Jonathan Ray. And Cow obviously went from World Superbike and moved into MotoGP quite early in his Superbike career and, and went on to win those GPs, which is which is amazing. I mean, you know, not many people can say they've beaten Mark Marquez or, yeah. or Valentino Rossi or Danny Pedrosa or Jorge Lorenzo. You yeah. know, he's beaten, he's beaten the best the world's got. But Jonathan, on the flip side, is a six-time consecutive world superbike champion yeah, and yeah. you know with the amount of work that i knew that Cal, i know cal would have put in to world superbike i wondered whether or not he you know he thought that he'd done what he needed to do but i'm really pleased to hear him say do you know what i'm happy I'm he, he seemed he seemed chilled and uh and i think the only thing if we're going to get from this is the fact that uh he oh, i'm was, a better superbike rider well yeah yeah and he, and he basically <laughs> said and he basically said that yeah I've got i could, see, I could feel, probably have to pay him later though <laughs> <laughs> i've never heard anybody praise you as much as anybody and that's a motor gp rider who used to race and beat so fair play to you shake i mean he really patted you on the back i think i think it was a good podcast i think he's a down-to-air fella I wish him all the best for the future and I hope he gets his back sorted out of surgery so he can go. Obviously, cycling's in his mind at the moment. Uh, we'll have to meet up with him. We will have to go on a bike ride together and go and get a coffee. Yeah, no, I'm sure he'd be up for it as well. And, and <laughs> I'm not so sure where I'm not so sure whether we should do it on engine versions of bikes or, on or a bicycle. pedal ones. Now that you've joined the, uh, I'll the pedaling to, I'll, community, I'll go on a motorbike and then you can go on the pedal bikes. <laughs> and I'll, still, and I'll still keep up. <laughs> 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 All right, that was good news. I like that. What yeah. a man. Good yeah. man. I enjoyed that. Coffee time. Good.